0: Now approaching. Junction at Platform.
1: Passengers. Airport, please stay on board. Next stop, Road Station. iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff. Shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods Come on, you're late. Come on, come on. Jane's got wind. Well, my worry is that maybe some of the lentils weren't quite soaked enough. In which case it might be a long journey home. Just don't go on the north
2: line. (laughs) Could they clear it, please?
1: Would it be okay if... Could you leave ten minutes after? (laughs) I might walk to a different station.
2: Anyway... It's my own fault. I had two drinks as well last night, which is never a good thing. But it's
1: not your fault if the lentils weren't soaked properly.
2: No, I just feel, you know, I just I've let myself down, Fee. That's what it is. You don't drink during the week, do you? I never drink.
1: I went out for dinner last night and uh, we sat outside. It was Mm. a really lovely evening in London. Yeah. Uh, See, that's the trap I fell into. We were having a pizza, and Mm. I really, really, really wanted a beer. Yeah. But I was I'm very strict with myself. Just well, for the same reason. And I just can't I can't drink anymore. No. So it just hurts the next day.
2: And it has hurt all yes.
1: day. I'm very, very sorry to okay. hear that. Yes. Um can I just say thank you to lots of people who suggested we were talking about uh, trying to do a personal carbon footprint audit because I wanted somewhere to go where I could find out just how bad a human being I am. And lots of people, including Tess, have pointed me in the direction of Giki Zero, which is G-I-K-I-0. It is a platform that estimates your carbon footprint via a series of questions in which you can give as little or as much information as you want. Well, how does
2: it help if you don't give the right information? Well...
1: Well, you were right to laugh at me this afternoon when I was doing it because I just got really bored. Oh, so it took ages. It's it it so forever. boring. <laughs> but I did discover after giving quite a lot of information, um, I am below the global average mm. carbon footprint. But no, I'm a you get it right. I'm below the UK. No. Yeah. No, I am. I'm well oh, below the UK average, okay. but I'm above the global oh, well,
2: average. It, okay. Well,
1: congratulations on one level yes but still quite a way to go So, and actually, what do you get right so you have to go through everything the amount of uh electrical appliances you've bought this year the amount of big bulky coats you've bought this year how many times you take the tube whether or not you've flown anywhere have you taken a cruise how many bags of rubbish do you throw out how many pets do you have and do they eat pet food that includes red meat oh mm. i know uh, there was one category uh do your pets uh Eat insect based food. Insect based. I know. And although it's tempting to lie on those kind of surveys, I cannot pretend that Brian and Barbara are on a solid scorpion diet. Um, A lot of people, I think, will have been sort of
2: upset on Barbara's behalf, really, uh, for the reference last night to her continued incontinence issues. And um, I think as a way of trying to make it up to Babs, you have posted today... A beautiful picture. A really quite exquisite image of Barbara looking impossibly pompous, which, considering <laughs> she's often just had a sly pee somewhere she shouldn't, she's taking liberties with her pomposity. But it is a beautiful photograph, actually. It's well, lovely.
1: Do you remember that look uh, that your uh, little ones, your toddlers, used 40. to have? No, when they were having a wee. Because you could clearly see. When, when they were still in nappies, oh, I see, it's yeah. a clear look that a baby yeah. has, which is one of absolute dreamy certainty, Ooh. isn't it? <laughs> it's- <laughs> uh, and other, then you think, oh, aren't they? Oh, oh, having yeah, oh, yeah. a wee. Yeah, so it's quite it possible that Barbara was having
2: a wee while that picture was taken. It, it is more than possible, but do like it because it's a very sweet
1: picture. I'll get Eve to pop it up on the What's It? What's It? Yeah. Uh, but anyway, take the carbon footprint survey because it does make you think. Actually, it's and it's full of you really, yeah. really you'll useful. You'll have like to take a day off work to
2: do it, but uh, but do do it, and you'll be <laughs> able to bore people with whether you're like Fee or whether you're like me and can't be asked doing the survey. Uh, Millie says uh, this penny farthing chat has gone on for some time now and you're right Millie and it's going to stop yep it's going to stop but she does say I just wanted to write in to tell you that a lady in my village rides a unicycle now I don't want to be judgmental says Millie Millie you can be judgmental here because believe me i'm judgmental all the time millie says i don't want to be judgmental well none of us want to be judgmental but it sort of slips out doesn't it anyway i don't want to be judgmental says millie but every time i see her i just roll my eyes mainly because she rides around with a look on her face that says yes what you're seeing is correct look at my excellent balance not only is riding a unicycle on the street slightly obnoxious, but surely it's a hazard. There are no brakes. How do you stop suddenly? Anyway, that's all, says Millie, who is a woman after my own heart. The judgmental thing, I make a judgment in my head. I don't usually say it out loud. Every single time I see a Deliveroo going to a house before 7 o'clock at night. Ooh. I particularly, if I see one at 8.30 judgy, in the morning. judgy, judgy. Well, I, I, I just think, and if yeah. it's McDonald's. Coming to a house at eight thirty in the morning, I'm afraid I do make a judgment in my head, and I just think there in that house there's a slattern, uh, possibly two.
1: That's what I think. Well, uh, I mean, you're perfectly entitled to have your place, your bar wherever you like in your life. Oh, I yes, I know that. Yeah, but yeah. I put it to you, sister, that what if it was a retired female broadcaster who had uh, just decided. Jenny
2: Ordering a Mackie D's. Dare you. I was
1: thinking more Sue McGregor.
2: Oh, I don't think either of them would do that. Um, no, but just imagine it
1: might be no, you not in saying, 10 years' time.
2: Oh, listen, I, what I'm actually saying, I'm owning my own... The fact that I do make these judgements. I don't like myself for doing it. And I certainly am no stranger to a delivery, mm. I no. can assure you. But there's just something about... I can't help... my The little suburban judgmental voice in my head says that's disgusting that's disgusting why don't they just make some toast that's what i think well, it's maybe not
1: right that i think that but that's what i think salted porridge yes. uh but also i think you could quite cogently argue jane that uh mcdonald's breakfast menu is its finest part of uh, the day do you know i don't think i've ever had it actually. ash browns no the McMuffin? No, never. Oh, okay. Well, well, give it a go and then see they whether do or not. They don't do flurries before eleven, do they? See whether or not uh, you're absolutely dying for it whilst in your towelling robe. <laughs> Seven thirty. The temperature's been so low the last couple of mornings. I'm back in my towelling robe. Are you? Yeah. <laughs> Over the wincy at ninety. <laughs> the wincy
2: at <laughs> couple ninety. Couple of large
1: fries. Pink... Stuck in your cleavage. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm just well, I, but I'm just. What, saying, what I'm an d- image, kids. <laughs> Winciette three I mean it was well it wasn't um it was very dangerous, Winciette wasn't it it's so
1: flammable, yes, yeah,
2: so flammable, <laughs> and if you put that near an open fire, oh my goodness. Uh, but Winsiette was the it was the material of our childhood nightwear and certainly yes. our nannies and yeah, they always wore Winsiette.
1: So we you, you'd have a, a nylon nighty and then you'd get into nylon sheets mm. under a nylon underdown That's a right. Underdown. And by the time you had tossed and turned a little bit, the friction yeah. was just insane. That was a fun <laughs> <laughs> p whole house. God, I do remember the
2: debate in our house that raged for weeks about whether my nan was gonna try a duvet. And in the end, she did. But oh my
1: God! Jane, can
2: I stop you there?
1: In our household, continental quilt. <laughs>
2: Sorry. Well, she. I can. See, I can still hear her saying, "Oh, I don't know. I don't know, Maureen. I could try it once." Do Do <laughs> your parents charming.
1: have a duvet now? Yes, they do. Yes. See, my mum doesn't. She doesn't do duvets. So when the kids go and stay with her, Mm. she's never done duvets. They have uh, sheets and blankets. Sheets, blankets. They are bemused.
2: Yes. Well, it's a whole, it's a world of of
1: bedding. (laughs) World of bedding. But do you know what I quite like? When I go and stay with mum, there's something so uh, deliciously old-fashioned about it, actually. I really like it. And a blanket is, a very, very heavy blanket It's really, really comforting. Is it? Yes. So, so there's quite a, a thing now. If oh, you the do, heavy blankets. Yeah. If yes. you do struggle to sleep, yeah. or actually, if you have a bit of anxiety, those weighted blankets. Yes, the uh, weighted blankets. Yeah, are meant to be really terrific. So, I mean, you can either do a weighted blanket or you could just borrow some of my mums.
2: (laughs) (laughs) If anyone wants to buy, uh, or borrow, (laughs) I'm sure it wouldn't be buy, borrow one of Fee's mum's blankets. Jane and Fee at Radio. Uh, Correction Corner. Uh, From a loyal listener in the US, Sarah, hello, Sarah. On Monday, you read an email from a listener complaining that Trinity College is the only only university in Ireland with which Americans are familiar. While that's probably true, the listener referred to Barclay as an Ivy League school in her email it is not it is actually part of the public university of california system we'll we'll get this straight at some point i mean it's interesting uh sarah because a lot of people um and they're wrong think that the biggest and most prestigious higher education establishments in the UK are Oxford and Cambridge. And that's just nonsense. (laughs) It's absolute rubbish. It's the University of Birmingham, closely followed by the (laughs) University of Kent at Canterbury. Yes, and that's the truth of the matter. So we spread that message loud and clear. Don't be in any way beguiled by this nonsense that you get about Oxford and Cambridge. Utter try.
1: Uh, Margaret has said, Hello both, you reminded me of my irritation at the positive spin one woman put on her successful midlife career change when doing a whole go-for-it spiel on Twitter Things have gone very well for her, which is great. But she was disappointingly defensive when someone pointed out that it is much easier to change careers when you've got contacts in the world you want to get into, as she did. Mm. More and more I realise that this is what private school and the middle-class system of privilege buys. We need to build old boys' networks for those who don't know myriads of publishers and scientists. It's one of the reasons the fabulous charities Arts, Emergency and Scene, that's S-C-E-N-E, And Heard exists. Love the podcast. It's a real lifeline. Lack of positivity, very much a plus. Uh, Well, thank you for that, Margaret. And also for pointing that out, because that is so true. Uh, You know, if you come from a position of strength, and that's where you find yourself in your midlife, of course, it's much easier to go, what would I like to do? and you've got enough energy and possibly money in the bank to go and do it. So it is a point well worth making. And Jill Hammond, uh, just on the same kind of tip about uh, changing direction in your early 40s, uh, says, I achieved my English degree, then teaching qualification in my early 40s after bringing up four children and following the death of my elder son, who was only 14 when he died of leukaemia. Studying, teaching, then specialising in autism has allowed me to create a purpose in my life, when grief could so easily have swallowed me up. When life doesn't go to plan, make another one. Well, Jill, that's such a beautifully simple, concise way of saying it. But boy, you know, that must have taken a huge amount of effort to do. So good on you for doing that. And, uh, you know, you say love the chuckles in the podcast. I hope you've got some chuckles in your life, too. Yeah, I very much hope so. Uh, But I will
2: say I'm heartened to hear from Margaret, uh, our previous correspondent, that positivity isn't necessary for her to enjoy a podcast sometimes just carping a negativity is is no bad thing very much so yeah um i have been galvanized all day by the image of the otter pup having a health check oh it's so sweet uh it's in the times and in fact i cut it out and i, I left it by my computer we have computers in our studio just don't want to boast but we do don't we
1: oh yeah, we do. We both have. We have one each. and We left the BBC abacus behind. It's now um, currently being used by both Nick Robinson and Sarah Montague.
2: And I propped up the image of the otter pup having his or her health check uh, just to cheer me up. Otters uh, don't get anywhere near the publicity of beavers. And it's it's wonderful to see an otter just occupying a bit of newspaper so space. So why here.
1: do you think that is? I because don't know. only this morning, when I wandered past a room in the East Wing and Times Radio was on, they were discuss- Actually, was discussing some kind of beaver reintroduction. There's always a beaver initiative. You never hear about the stoat. No, you don't. Or the weasel. No, no. I, so I, come on,
2: get. Get some bloody good publicity for yourselves. Do a charity thing. There must be something. Get a better PR person. Just up your game. Because the beavers are all over the news. But also, Jane, how many times can you reintroduce a beaver? (laughs) I I mean, there can't be any part of the British Isles that hasn't got its own beaver population. Um, I was also heartened to hear... And see in all the newspapers today that planking is really good for you. Now, <gasps> planking is something that I can only do on the machine at my Pilates. Uh,
1: but I do. I'm so empowered when I've done a couple of planks. I feel okay, a new woman. So you just got to unpack that a little bit for people who may not be uh, uh, know very much about the Pilates, as you say, reformer mm. machiney thingies. Yeah. What does that mean, Jane? Well, it means that you you sort of lie down on a bench type thing.
2: Uh, your hands go on a bar and your feet go up against something at the end and you put your bum down as low as you can and you go backwards and forwards, you slide backwards and forwards. So it's not, whereas I think planking just on the ground is
1: substantially harder. So I think planking on the ground, you just stay very, very still, don't you? Yes. So you're you're moving when you're planking. Yes, I'm going backwards and forwards. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not surprised you've got some sharp stomach pains. (laughs) That's wow, that's and like, how long how long do you do that well, for? Because the, the article's about um, if you can do wall squats and planks for about two minutes at mm, a time, yeah, I think, what is it, you're going to live to 150. Wow, well, I, I, th- I wouldn't want to live to be
2: 150, but I can plank up and down about, I don't know, about it's, you do about 10 of them. It's all right, it's quite good. Then I move on to the elephant. Oh, yes. Oh, what does that mean? Well, it doesn't prevent wind, I'll tell you that now. <laughs> God. Just, um I'm gonna to complain to the canteen about those lentils. It's like a ferment is going on oh. in my digestive system. Okay. Now, who is our guest today? Do you you... <laughs> no, but we have got to call a relatively early end to today's proceedings. <laughs> okay. I've been very good. I've battled on, but okay. Mm. Who was our big guest? Who's our big guest
1: today? Our guest today was fantastic, yes. Carol Kirkwood, yes. who I think everybody who's ever watched uh, the weather after a new <laughs> have a news- you ever watched the weather? Yes. <laughs> after a news bulletin in the United Kingdom, mm. uh, will probably have seen Carol delivering a weather bulletin well, at some will. stage. Yeah, although she's been very much the queen of the early morning
2: forecast. That's true on yeah. BBC Breakfast now. I couldn't believe this, since 1997. Wow. And if you're wondering what time does a breakfast weather lady get up, rest assured, Journalist of the Year Garvey was absolutely on her game in spite of the digestive issue, and I asked her exactly what time her alarm went off probably my moment
1: of the year so far. She was in to talk about a book that she's yes, written. she was. So she's also a best-selling author. She is. And this is her third book. It's called Secrets of Villa Amor.
2: Yes, and I should say that um, Carol appears, to all intents and purposes, on the telly to be a lovely, lovely human being. And I think we'd both say that we hadn't met her before, before today, had we? No. And she genuinely appeared to be that person. Yes,
1: yeah, she didn't disappoint no. at all. No, she was really delightful. Bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. Yep. And also what was so lovely, Jane, because sometimes you do think famous people who get book deals because it's not their first career, it's, you know... An adjunct. It's an adjunct, it's yeah. a luxurious add-on, uh, that sometimes, it's not that they're not dedicated to their writing or they don't discover that they love writing, but it's definitely not the place where they are absolutely effervescent about the joy of doing it. Mm. But but Carol is, she yeah. clearly adores writing yes, has and come it, to it relatively late in life and absolutely bloody aced
2: it. Yeah, she has completely aced it and it clearly means a lot to her. You'll, you'll hear in the interview that she, she puts a lot of work into these books. So um, she has written three and uh, you'll find out about the third one in this interview and much else besides. So where do we begin? We begin with the all-important question. Carol Kirkwood, BBC Breakfast weather host. What time do you get up? Quarter to three in the morning. Yeah, that's very (laughs) Uh, and The look on your face told everything I needed to know. So 2.45am, you are getting up. And is it always with a song in your heart?
0: No. (laughs) I usually crash into the wardrobe when I get out of bed. Who put that there? Of course, it's been there for donkey's years. So no, I, I
2: hate my alarm clock going off. But as soon as I've had a shower and I'm out... Yeah. I'm fine. Okay. Now, uh, I think the cutometer was absolutely raging this morning because you were sent. I mean, they all crawled you. They don't even let you just go to the studio. <laughs> Today, you were sent to Leamington Spa with the OB truck, presumably. Yes. Uh, to look at what? Guide dog
0: puppies. Now there was a reason for that because a couple of years ago I was at the Chelsea Flower Show, yeah. and there was a guide dog there. She was nine months old at the time, absolutely perfect. She lay beside me. I stroked her whilst I presented the weather, and then she saw her handler, and so she took off at the rate of knots. And the reason I didn't let go of the lead was because it was the first day of the Chelsea Flower Show. Right. It was press day. It was the Monday, and some of the gardens hadn't been judged. And I They're thought, pristine, this- aren't they? Absolutely. Yeah. And could you imagine if the dog had gone and started digging one of them up? I'd have been in such hot water. Mm. But this dog was called Flash, and she's just had a litter of nine puppies. Oh, my goodness, they were adorable hopefully little guide dogs in the future. Mm. They were leaving today right. from the guide dog centre just outside Leamington Spa and they were heading off to their puppy raisers for a year. That's where they'll be socialised, you know, taught to, to go into cafes and sit down or restaurants mm. or go on buses, that kind of thing. And then they come back, they leave the family and they have further training to see if there'll be a mum or if there'll be... A guide dog.
2: Yeah, I honestly think um, that when you see a guide dog at work, they are an everyday miracle, aren't they? Oh, I'm, yes. I'm absolutely captivated by what they're able to do. It's extraordinary.
0: It really is. When you see them even just sitting at the side of the road, yeah. you know, you may be driving past in a car, you slow down to let them cross. They don't. They wait until all danger has passed and then they cross. They're amazing. And they really can change and do change People's lives.
2: Yeah. Now, you are known, of course, for your work on the BBC Breakfast Show, which you have done for, is it 1997 you started?
0: Uh, 25 years ago. Yeah,
2: OK, 25 years ago. <laughs> is it fair to say, and let's just cut to the chase here, you are something of a sex symbol for the over-80s. No, and I mean that in a really nice <laughs> way. My um, ex-father-in-law, law still fond of him, uh, he um, he was a big fan of yours, Carol. Well, he still is. Um, and Is he it, married? <laughs> oh, very much so, yeah. but you were a constant theme you know what you were wearing where you've gone no no it's just but I don't think he was alone because you are a very important part of a lot of people's lives aren't you I know you're aware of this
0: I can honestly say I have never ever thought of myself in those terms um but I'm in a privileged position and I love my job which Mm. is what makes it easy getting up at that time of day yeah
2: it's good fun yes and is it tv that you were passionate about or was it weather or was it the combination? of the two combination of the two but if I had to
0: select one it would be the weather the weather changes all the time I mean just look at what's happening around the world at the moment and it's fascinating we live in an island so our weather is very contrary Mm. for want of a better word Mm. and I just love it I just love it
2: Yeah, okay. Well, we'll talk more about weather in a minute. You are here officially to talk about the book, so we do need to get onto that because your publicist will not be a happy woman. (laughs) Uh, This is called Secrets of the Villa Amore, your previous books, Under a Greek Moon and The Hotel on the Riviera. There's a theme developing here. Why haven't you written a nice book set in Britain? Or more specifically, Scotland. Because the first one, I didn't want to set it in Scotland or any
0: of my characters to be Scottish because I didn't want anybody to think this was my story. So my first one started in Ireland and then it moved to Hollywood and then to Greece. Um, But I tend to write about places that I have visited. So it's escapism and I I tend to go to these places in the summer on holiday myself. So Greece to the south of France, and more recently the Amalfi Coast, which is what The Secrets of the Villa Amore is about and where it's set. So writing about where I've been is important because then I can really visualise what it's like. I can smell the flowers. I can, For example, the Amalfi Coast is famous for lemons, for example. So you know what it's like. You know how bright it is. You know how the sun spins sparkles on the sea just like diamonds twinkling and you know what the houses look like what the foliage and the scenery looks like mm. so if I can write that and make my readers feel like they can see it they can imagine it because it's been clearly written yeah then I've succeeded and then I'll start working on my
2: characters. Okay so your books are about transporting people to yes. a place that you've loved yes and that escapism. you've known yeah pure yes. escapism and I, I read this book from top to bottom
1: start to finish that's it
2: thank you very much happy to help and she is a help from start to finish and you've got quite a lot of you've got some brooding handsome men Uh, you have got there are some secrets lurking it turns out and best of all there's an approaching wedding and um, you sense right from the beginning that the groom perhaps not me might be as fully committed to the nuptials as his bride Uh, and there's all that excitement generated by it so it's a hubbub it's in a beautiful place and i can imagine somebody taking with them on holiday and thinking oh great this is a place I can just sink into
0: Jane will you be my agent?
2: Well I could be (laughs) uh, but I'm relatively I'm relatively (laughs) occupied although (laughs) fear would probably be quite happy to get rid of me for a bit Um, You can have her on
1: Wednesdays and Thursdays (laughs) Carol Is this
2: the book the sort of you write the sort of I get the feeling that you write the sort of books that you'd read Absolutely that's the
0: kind of book I would read on holidays. so it's something that won't challenge me but it will interest me it's not straightforward I like Jeopardy in my books Mm. as well so So you may get to page 10 and think, oh, I know how this is going to end. They will end up with that person and they're going to get there through this means. Yeah. But that's not necessarily the case. So the wedding in this book might not be whom you think it's yes. going to be that it it's married. Yeah. It might be, but it might not be. Mm. Um there's a long and winding road to quote a song before <laughs> we actually get there. And there is a lot of jeopardy. There are some red herrings in it as well. Yeah. And in this particular boot there's a little bit of darkness, so there's the mafia in yeah. it, in part of it as well. Mm. I've really enjoyed doing that. Yeah, I could enjoy. tell. the the villains in it. Whoa, bring them on. <laughs> I just I just love that kind of thing. It's it's so liberating when you write because you create characters that just don't exist. You give them a life, a personality, a voice, a look, mm. and a career, or otherwise. Yeah. You take them where you want them to go. And when you finish the book, you're saying goodbye to
1: friends, and it's quite sad. Do you think that you might go even darker in subsequent books if you've enjoyed creating the (laughs) villain? No, I think you should. I think you should have Carol Kirkwood, the sunshine books, and then you should have Carol Kirkwood, the dark
0: menace books. Oh, you never know. You never know, Fia. I might go that way. Mm. I've already done the skeleton, if you like, of book four, and it's not dark, but it does have a lot of secrets and twists and turns. Is it set set in Scotland? No. (laughs) It's set in Venice. Oh, Carol, come on. <laughs> but it's escapism. We, you know, if you're not going on summer holidays somewhere, you want to be taken, you want to be transported somewhere and glamorous. And what's wrong with a boffy up a Glen, exactly. for goodness sake? It's a little burnt jelly. <laughs> <laughs> you grew up in a beautiful part of Scotland, though, didn't you? I certainly did. Oh, my goodness, I love where I come from. Mm. It's a little village in the North West Highlands called Modar. Yeah. And it's famous for various things, mm. such as it's
2: Monster, who's a relation of Nessie, She's well, called Morag. I'm really glad you mentioned Morag because I was sort of doing a little bit of research. For you'll be surprised. First thing this morning about you, <laughs> and this cropped up. And several people online have written some relatively learned bits of material suggesting it's far more likely that there is a monster in that loch than in Loch Ness.
0: Well, Loch Morar is actually the deepest freshwater loch in the UK, yeah. and it runs into the shortest freshwater river in the UK as well, River Mora. So it is quite possible. It's very deep, it's very dark, it's very black. How deep is very deep? deep? (laughs) <laughs> I should have this at the tip of my fingers and I don't no
1: don't worry I'll look it up it's but that's fascinating if mm. it's uh, I mean what would it be kind of probably below a thousand yes yeah I would have yes, thought so definitely below yes. a thousand yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: although we've disgraced ourselves already once
1: today so we I'm don't I'm going to check a facts. <laughs> yeah we, we <laughs> carry got some facts on very badly wrong <laughs> earlier on Carol um,
2: so yeah I mean it must have been I can't I, mean, you, I think your mum and dad ran a hotel that's right you got a lot of siblings as yes, well yes. so it suggests to me that you had a high old time was it like that
0: yes and I didn't appreciate it at the time, as really? you don't when you're a child. So I would go to school, primary school, come home, uh, get into my swimming costume, pair of shorts, T-shirt, join my wee sister and some of our friends, and we'd cycle off to the beach or to Loch mm-hmm. We'd then go for a swim, come back, watch Blue Peter, homework, supper, bath, bed. And we took it for granted. And there were lots of woods and are still lots of woods in that part of the world as well. So we'd go out in the autumn with Dad when the hotel closed down. It was seasonal. And we'd go collecting nuts and things. I mean, how idyllic is that? It does sound
2: incredible. But at
0: the time, it was just what we did. We didn't think anything more of it. And having been back up more regularly more recently... Oh my goodness, it's beautiful. The beaches, again, that's something else that Murder is famous for, it's silver sands. Mm. And if you know the movie Local Hero with yes. Burt Lancaster, the beach scenes are actually filmed in that area and they're gorgeous. Mm. When you have a handful of sand, it just trickles through your fingers. It's that soft. It's beautiful. It sparkles in the sunshine, and we do get sunshine. It's like Barbados
1: when and it's sunny. And yet, Carol, you've never set a book there. <laughs> There's <laughs> still time. There is still time. <laughs> you am making you it sound absolutely wonderful. Uh, <laughs> One thousand and twenty feet—that is the depth, is it, of the lock? Okay. Yeah. Well, that, thats good. That's very, very deep.
2: That is deep. The train is now
0: approaching. Junction at platform. Passengers, where please. Stay on board. Next stop,
1: road station. iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone.
0: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands.
2: They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe,
0: ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
2: So when do you write? Bearing in mind your alarm goes off 2.45, what's your schedule? It's
0: not regimented by any stretch so if I have an idea I dictate it into my phone and the phone is brilliant or iPad because you don't have to laboriously write things out Mm. and you know that expression if you want something done give it to a busy person and they will fit it into their schedule that's what I do I definitely work better under pressure. I constantly work to a collapsing time frame. Anyway, right. with my television job, mm.
2: so what is that? Sorry, what do you mean? You're against the clock. Yes, in other words. Yeah. totally.
0: I've always got deadlines. Either I'm I'm on at a specific time yeah. and I've got a specific duration, yeah. and I'm being counted out. All the time. So I may be told, I've got three minutes, I've got two minutes, I've got one minute, five, four, and so on, finishing zero. So I'm always working to some form of deadline. Yeah. And when I was a student, I would cram at the end. I couldn't, I wasn't one of these people that could plan to study for months before an exam. I'd be out doing something else. So Maybe two days before an exam, Mm. I'd be thinking, holy smoke, I've got an exam in economics in two days and I've done nothing. So cram, 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 night and day, and then I'd be fine, just get on with it. So I like working under pressure. So to answer your question, Jane, I do it all over... The place I will do it when I'm out walking um, I'll come home and then maybe on a Friday when I'm not working at the BBC yeah. I will then construct something or a Saturday or a Sunday or maybe all
2: three if okay. I've got a deadline looming. Right okay so you are you're it does sound as though you have your way of doing it and you're yes. going to keep on because it really yes. suits you. Yes. Um, and did anybody try to dissuade you from writing? Do, not at, at all. No, they did. Okay. No. I mean, there has been, a, I think it's fair to say, a spate of celebrity authors. And I have to say, on the whole, they have been tremendously successful. Is there much competition? I oh, mean, do, there is lots is is there? of competition. What about isn't, uh, Judge Rinder, for example? Yes, yes. Is he a friend of yours?
0: I've met him and he's a really lovely gent. Yeah. But I don't look at it like that. I'm not writing for that reason. I'm not writing to be the best, I would love to be the best Mm. but that's not my aim I'm writing because I love it and I really enjoy writing and I'm so grateful to everyone. And this is a brilliant opportunity to say thank you to anybody that has spent their hard-earned cash buying yeah. and reading one of my
2: books. Yeah, just coming along with you on that trip. Yes. Um, um, I'll, I'll out, but people will be wondering, how do you become a TV weather presenter? So you, you went to something I've not heard of, the BBC's Secretarial Reserve. reserve. That's because a I'm a lot thing. older than you, yeah, you're Jane. You're about two years older than me. Um, <laughs> I came along with Mary and
0: Joseph, I think, but I wasn't Jesus. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, it used to be a thing in the BBC where it was like a temporary agency that you, yes, with secretarial skills mm. and production assistant skills, so that you could slot into any program and cover leave, because, okay. as you both know, the the BBC has different sort of things in that are specific to the BBC. So it might be departments or words that we use or abbreviations that we use. And if you've got somebody that can just slot into that job tomorrow and pick up and not have to have it all explained, then you're more productive immediately. And that's
2: what you were, you were a member of that reserve. Yes.
1: So can you put that down on your CV under languages? (laughs) (laughs) You can do BBC (laughs) speak. (laughs) Loving your work.
2: but I mean, how long did you last there before thinking, "Mm, I think I'd like to be a bit more front of house?
0: Quite a long time. I wanted in my childhood remember i said that i used to love watching blue peter my mother was a school teacher and our education was of paramount importance to my parents mm. as was our television viewing so we weren't allowed to watch just anything it was blue peter and newsround and that was it you didn't we, watch magpie no no i no, didn't well, either we, you know we didn't even have ITV when i, mean, I
2: was growing oh, up good. i am glad to hear that carol <laughs> it's very common a <laughs> vulgar <involve the> channel <laughs> So carry on we were hearing about your career carol
0: yes so so that was really important education was and i wanted to be able to peter presenter because they looked like they were having a ball yeah. all the expeditions they went on the elephant famous elephant yes. in the studio yeah. the christmas specials the things that they made i thought this is glorious so i wrote to biddy baxter when i was 12 and asked How do I become a Blue Peter presenter? Mm. And she basically said, get yourself a degree and then get back in touch. But then in my class at school, there were only eight of us. That was a total class. In my whole school, there were about 30 pupils from primaries one to seven. So Mm. it was small. So I was a big fish Mm. in a small pool. By the time I graduated, I was a minnow in an ocean. So my confidence wasn't as it had been as a child. Mm. So I wasn't confident enough to go in front of a camera in those days. But eventually, the BBC also has a training department where they train floor managers, presenters sometimes, um, directors, production assistants and so on. So I ended up being a stooge presenter on that. When things were happening all around me, things were going wrong and we were doing recorders live programmes. So it was pretend again, it wasn't going out live, but you would record it as if it was. Yes. And I learned screeds from that, like talking to time, not laughing at somebody tripping over something in the studio or dropping something, you know, that kind of thing. And it was a really good training ground to later on in life become a presenter. And the meteorological training
2: came in when exactly?
0: So I joined the American Weather Channel, first of all, and had meteorological its hard to say it meteorological
2: is to say. training. I'm not sure I said it. so Don't worry,
0: <laughs> no, he, said, he said it beautifully. Um, there with them, and then when they pulled out of Europe, I then joined the Met Office because the BBC were advertising for weather presenters on the News Channel. It used to be called News 24 in the mm, olden days. Yeah. And as a result, I had to have four editions. And then before you were allowed on television, you had to study meteorology at the Met College and pass exams, and then when you started, you weren't allowed loose in television, even then you were online. So everything you did was monitored until the BBC felt you were good enough and new enough to actually go on with conviction.
2: So uh, where do you stand on, I mean, the real extreme weather that we're we're seeing all over Europe at the moment and in other parts of the world as well, I should say. And Fee mentioned earlier
1: the, the incredible, it's the highest water temperature yes, ever right. yes, in the Mediterranean. In no, there's one well, in Florida yes. today, which is over 100 degrees.
0: And also the Mediterranean. The Mediterranean is roughly, excuse me, <coughs> five degrees warmer than we'd expect it to be. So at its top temperature, it's 32 degrees right that's that's pretty warm uh, yeah. and the temperatures around the med as well if we talk about the med first of all um have been phenomenal and the wildfires fanned by the wind as well mm. over the next few days the temperatures are going to come back down lastly in Greece um, to where they should be at this time of year and although we might get another period of heat we don't expect it to be as intense Mm. as this one and this one was fairly extensive as well even temperatures like on the coast of Algeria on the coast, bear in mind sea breezes will keep things that bit cooler were 50 degrees this week Mm. inland 55 you can't actually imagine that now some countries are geared up with air conditioning we're not so, but nonetheless, you go out. That is hot, and if it's a dry heat, it's really
1: debilitating, and wildfires are a real risk. When do you think we, the audience, might change our attitude to our weather here? Because this summer we are still saying, "Oh God, it's a bit miserable, isn't it?" And and actually, quite possibly, we should be saying, "Thank goodness it is like this here," because we can actually carry on living.
0: Yes, that's very true. Um, I think, personally, I like the four seasons. Excuse me. <clears throat> but we're seeing less and less of the four seasons. They're all kind of blending one into the other these days. We have milder winters. And we are definitely seeing more extreme weather. And it's a really good question for you as to when we'll change our attitude. Because still, now we still i see from the correspondence that i get Mm. we want a summer we i get lots of people writing in saying when are we going to have a summer we don't want the extreme heat they've got on the continent at the moment and I absolutely adhere to that we don't for a whole host of reasons but we want something more representative of what we would expect as our average summer so we would want temperatures on an average summer or expect them between about 25 28 maybe a little bit higher than that but we're not getting that at the moment the best we're going to get in the next couple of days is 24 maybe 25 and that will be in the southeast it won't be everywhere
2: no um it's so difficult I mean I know we've got to let you go which is a real shame but do you actually now think about the things expressions like a nice day do yes. you actually consider what that means
0: yes yes
2: it's first of all it's subjective yeah
0: as, as you mentioned fee what's a nice day to me might not be a nice day to you mm. somebody might hate the heat and like yeah. this cool weather but yes absolutely you try just to deliver the facts but we're human too and if i'm only looking it's sunny You hear yourself saying it's a beautiful start to the day because when it's sunny, you feel more
2: positive, but you don't want to be roasted at the same time. That was Carol Kirkwood. Her book is called Secrets of the Villa Amore. And if you're thinking, will there be too much smut? Um, Is there not enough smut? Well, there there isn't really smut. There's a suggestion of raunch on more than one occasion. That's all I can take these days. And there's a lot of longing, you know, simple, innocent longing. Mm. Mm. Uh, so i think a lot of people will uh, really love this book and it would be perfecto on an italian holiday
1: yeah and i like what she said jane about our perceptions changing about weather. i don't speak italian but i, I given it a very good shot <laughs> <throw some> <laughs> yeah i think we knew that mm. i liked what she said about the weather jane because it's important yeah. that we change our perceptions you know from just let's just hope for a perfect English summer I can't ever remember a perfect English summer well, it's yeah. either too hot, too cold too dreary, too glum, too, mixed. too something Yeah, yeah. and yeah. that's our climate mm. and we should be grateful for it yeah. uh, we have got an exciting extra podcast this week because we are doing the inaugural book club podcast where we're going to talk about Valerie Perrin's Freshwater for Flowers uh, thank you so much to everybody who's yes, emailed I'm really in I'm delighted that people yeah. have
2: taken the time to email and a variety of views I and also some voice notes as well and your comments on Insta. Everything is hugely appreciated, so thank you. And actually, it's just made us think, well, we're doing the right thing. This is what people want. Yeah, And, Um, and it's
1: really good as well because Jane didn't really enjoy the book and I really enjoyed the book, so there is a wide gap between us and I think lots and lots of people are in each camp so we've got a lot to talk about yeah uh, so we'll look forward to doing that we're going to record it tomorrow and then will it drop on the friday eve yeah oh, lovely friday
2: bonus yeah
1: friday, friday.
2: gosh that's your weekend made isn't it
1: uh, and then the excitement will continue because the whole stick of the book club is that you're going to suggest the books you and i aren't going to suggest no. them you listener uh, are going to suggest them. So after we've talked about Fresh Water for Flowers, it's all up to you. You yeah. can all suggest the next one. You want a thriller, don't you? I want Ken Follett. Well, can't no, you can't ask people to deliver you what you want. No, we can't have that, actually, because apart and anything else, his books are about 700 pages long. Well, they are. And also, we've booked him as a guest in September anyway. Yes, I can't say so you must have a new book out. Yeah, exciting I, times. That,
2: for me, that's the year made.
1: Yeah, you can take it on to your sun lounger. Oh, yes.
2: Aww. Wow. It, will, I, will I be able to have it? For, it's in the drawer. It's in it's the drawer. drawer. You're joking,
1: Eve. Right, I'm going. Bye! Okay. Uh so uh, can we can we just make sure that um that you're all right to travel? Do you think you'll make it home? <laughs> I literally want to get into the fetal position. <laughs> really...
2: No, that's bad. I know, it's quite savage wind. Can you not see? I'm in um I was sort of trying to sort of lean to one side and crunch myself up. Is Savage
1: Wind the follow-on <laughs> band from Savage Garden?
2: <laughs> no, no, yes. No. <laughs> I think that's another... That's a Carol Kirkwood book. The book she will set in Scotland she can call Savage, <laughs> Savage Wind. Wind. You can have that one, Carol. <laughs> uh, no, she was lovely. Uh, thank you very much for bearing with. Uh, Jane and Fee at Times.radio. OK, good luck. And uh, No, actually, I say good luck to everyone else on oh, the... Oh, shut life. up! Bye!
1: Well done for getting to the end of another episode of Off Air with Jane Garvey and Fee Glover. Our Times
2: Radio producer is Rosie Cutler and the podcast executive producer is Henry Tribe.
1: And don't forget, there is even more of us every afternoon on Times Radio. It's Monday to Thursday, 3 till 5. You can pop us on when you're pottering around the house or heading out in the car on the school run or running a bank. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you can join us again on off-air
2: very soon. Don't be so silly.
1: Money go bang.
2: I know, lady. A lady don't listener. Decide, sorry.
1: Voiceover describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. Voiceover on settings, so you can navigate it just by listening.
2: Books, contacts, calendar. Double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11.
0: And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone.
1: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands.